Open up your Bibles, Matthew chapter 25, Matthew 25, appropriately so. We're in a parable today called the Parable of the Talents. We've been in a series on the parables. We'll wrap up the parable series next week as we'll be heading into Advent in a couple of weeks. Um, So last night, had one of those uh, scheduling things where, you know when you say yes to something, I'm sure it never happens to anybody else, you say yes to something like six months ago, and then you get up to that weekend and you go, how did I get into this? Anybody ever been there? Maybe it only happens to me. But so last night, I'm sitting in central Iowa at a wedding for our niece, a family niece. It's nine o'clock at night in Des Moines, and I'm sitting there, and it's a wonderful family gathering. It's one of those family gatherings where you've got all these people who come up to you, and it's like you haven't seen them since high school, you know, one of those deals, and they're talking to you like you really know everything about their life. I just wish I knew your name. Like, I just want to know your name right now, because some don't look quite like they looked. All right, I'm not going to go any farther on that, but it just don't look quite like they looked. I'm like, oh, that Bob. Wow, Bob. Bob, you've changed. Yeah, there's a lot going on there. So, um, so it was one of those deals. I'm sitting there at 9 o'clock. Look at my watch. Kendra and the girl, we drove two different cars because we recognized she's going to stay because it's her family's niece. She's going to stay for the whole festivities that went way past midnight. And I said, I got to get back. I want to be with the church family. And I thought, wow, it's like 480 miles to my bed. It's nine o'clock at night. So I did what most pastors do at that point. Uh, I got in my car. I started pulling out on the interstate and I said, Jesus, I'm going to speed. I'm going to go really, really fast for the next seven hours. And I'd really like your grace to watch over me. You think, you don't think this is true. This is how I prayed. Lord, I really need your help. It'd be helpful if I stayed awake and I'm gonna go really, really fast. And by his grace, I think it was the fastest trip back to Zionsville, Indiana. I think I hit the bed at 345, something like that. And no speeding tickets and ran into a couple of fellow officers along the way who just, for whatever reason, just waved at me instead of probably could have flipped the lights on. Maybe he was tired as I was in the middle of the night, but it's good to be with you. So give me some grace if... um, my pacings might be a little bit different. I'm not a caffeine guy, but boy, I had some good caffeine last night. So let's get after this. Matthew 25, parable of the talents. And here's how it starts. Jesus said in verse 14, again, it will be like a man going on a journey. So again, what's he referring to in Matthew 25? He's telling stories. What are parables, right? By now, you should be able to say what a parable is, right? It's a story from everyday life that Jesus tosses alongside a reality about how the kingdom of God works. How does everyday life with Jesus work? What does it mean to live life with God like Bryce and Jan are experiencing? How does this really work? Because you could build a family, you could have a marriage and live the nice white-collar suburban life, if you'd like, without God, or you can choose to live with God. And Jesus says, here, let me help you understand. If you want to go the with God life, I'm going to tell you some stories, and they're called parables. And here's one about some guys who are called servants, and he entrusted some property to them. So there's a landowner. He's got some property. Verse 15, to one he gave five talents of money. A talent is $1,000. So five grand he gives one guy. To another, 2,000, two talents. And to another, one talent, $1,000, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. So it's clear in the story here, landowner, he's got some property. He needs the property cared for because he's going to be away. He gives 5K, 2K, 1K to these servants. 
Clearly the charge is, hey, use the money, use what I've given you, use your smarts, your wits, your skills, your abilities, and take care of what I've entrusted to you while I'm away. Follow the story here? Okay. 16. The man who had received the five talents went once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with two talents gained two more. But the man who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. Not too hard to follow, right? So the guy with five, five grand, he did some good work, put his talent, skills, abilities to use, doubled it, 10 grand. The guy with two doubled it, four grand. The guy with one just buried it in the dirt. We're not quite sure why yet in the story, but he just kind of buried it in the dirt and maybe felt like, hey, he's just kind of going the preservationist route, like the ultra conservative route here. And now Jesus says, verse 19, after a long time, that's a key part of the story now, because you know, right, that our timetable and God's timetable are quite different. And generally speaking, we're going to receive the pacing of God is more slow, slower than we prefer. So the landowner is going to be gone a lot longer than you thought. And the imagery here and the storyline here is a reflection that one day our master, our landowner, he's going to come back. We know that, right? He's going to come. And when he comes, he's going to want to see, we're going to give an account for how we've handled what we've been given, but it's probably going to be a little bit longer since from the time he was buried and resurrected and ascended, right? We've been waiting and longing, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus, since that moment, 2,000-ish years now from that, right? After a long time, he's going to come. Don't let the 2,000 years kind of lull us to sleep, you know. I know we're not, we're not the most patient generation ever grow up in North America these days, right? Our concept of long waits is quite different than a couple thousand years. After a long time, the master is going to come. And when he comes, the servants, master of those servants, return and settled accounts with them. We're going to come back to this because today is going to be three observations about the story and one core question. And the core questions about the settling of accounts. Because there is a day coming, right? We're all aware of that. We're all going to have a one-on-one. The man who had received the five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me the five talents? See, I've gained five more. He's feeling good about it. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. That's a good day for the five-talent guy. He's feeling good about it. Master's happy. He's happy. Good job. Good work. Verse 22, the man who had two talents also came. Master, you've entrusted me with two talents. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Frequent pattern of Jesus. He'll repeat something in his stories that he wants to make sure gets across clearly to his people. Right, when you're reading scripture and you see themes keep coming up, have you noticed this with God when he wants to get his point across to us? Have you noticed how persistent he is? Have you noticed how clear he is? Have you ever had one of those assignments where you just start underlining and highlighting when you're praying about something, you're wrestling with something, you're reading through the scriptures and you're like, wow, he just keeps getting it across. You turn on the radio and you listen to a song. Wow, that song's right there. Have a conversation with a friend. Wow, that topic comes up again, right? You come to Sunday morning in the church and the worship service and the sermon. You're like, wait a minute. What is all that about? Just saying, hey, I just wanna make sure you get the point. And here, one of the points he's saying is, hey, look, those who've been faithful with what they've been given, it's a good day at the end of the run. 
Verse 24, the man then who had received the one talent, master, he said, I knew that you're a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and I went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. Can you picture the guy with the one talent? He's like, he, he goes, digs up the dirt. He's like, hey, see, this is what you gave me like however long ago. That, that, that's it. And then the master replies, you wicked, lazy servant. And you could just see like, like the posture, right? It's like parents when you got the kids together, right? And you call them by their first and middle name. You call them to the right kitchen. Eric Scott, Brad Allen. Ooh, that's gonna be a, rough conversation right there and it's going to be slumped shoulders and wicked and lazy servant wicked the word wicked there means godless you've operated as if god's not in the equation and lazy you were not diligent with what you've been given you knew that i harvest where i have not sown and gather where i have not scattered well then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when i returned i would have received it back with interest Verse 28, take the talent from him and give it to the one who has the 10 talents. For everyone who has been given more, he will be get, have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Okay, three observations from the story and one core question. First observation is God distributes talents as he sees fit. It's clear from the story, though talent in the specifics of the text there refers to thousands of dollars. It's clear from the story. Talent is also a broader discussion about the diligent stewardship of whatever we're entrusted with, including our resources, finances, extrapolate out skills, abilities, talents, opportunities, education. We've been entrusted with an awful lot. And so the first reality is God's the one who distributes the talents as he see fit. He, he decides who gets what and how they're divvied out. It's not a committee meeting. There's not a committee that gets together and kind of divvies up who gets what and how it's distributed. God decides who gets what. The landowner in the story, the God figure, the master distributes to whom he wants to distribute what he distributes. Second observation, God expects us to be diligent with what we've been given. Whether we're a one-talent person, a two-talent person, or a five-talent person, God expects us to be diligent with whatever we're entrusted with. So what Bryce and Jana's story, I think what I'm so challenged slash inspired by is here's a, a suburban North American family who's been entrusted with this portion and cup in their life, and they're simply being diligent stewards over what they've been given. They're just saying yes to following Christ, and it's manifested into this kind of selfless sacrifice, giving away, building up the kingdom, and I just, I just run the tape out. Can you just picture these children growing up, and can you picture the conversation that Jesus, the King of Kings, is going to have with faithful servants like Bryce and Janet at the end of the run? I just, it's such a beautiful picture, right, where no doubt they're going to be spent. I think their bodies are going to wrung out of every ounce of life by the end of this run, but how good is it going to be when they stare at their master, and he says, well done, good and faithful servant, come and share in your master's happiness. Man, I want to live with that kind of perspective. Anybody else? Let's live with that kind of perspective. Be diligent with what we've been given. If you talk to Bryce and Jana, though I think they're definitely on the higher end of closer to the five talent type things, like crazy talented musically and Jana can dance like no other. And then they got crazy talent, skills, and abilities. But 
A lot of us in this room are more like one talent, two talent people. Have you noticed how God just builds the kingdom with one talent people? I'm kind of a one note Johnny guy. I mean, if you hang out with me, I'm like a one talent guy. Like, hey, Simpson, what's your spiritual gift? Like, what do you got to contribute? Well, I'm, I'm good at like reading. You know, pastors, we read. People come to my office. Well, that's a lot of books around you. Yeah, I'm reading. Went to a monastery this week and hung out with 50 nuns. And yeah, that's kind of what pastors do. I'm kind of one talent Johnny, right? Pray, read. Open up God's word, try to help people understand, right? I, I can't grab any of these instruments or do any of these crazy musical things with that. You take me out in the sports field and I'm a tall, thin guy. I can run like the wind because when you catch me, it's gonna hurt really bad, my end. My brother's like three times my size, so I had to learn how to be fast when I was young because when he got a hold of me, it hurt. I, you know, I'm like a Hunter Smith guy. Hunter's like a five-talent guy, right? Justin, you guys are like five-talent guy, but most of us are like one-talent, two-talent people. You notice how God just loves building the kingdom with very common people. But I want to, a confession I have today is, I want to talk for a few minutes about, there's a one-talent temptation that comes up. I want to know if anybody else feels this or experiences this with me. A one-talent temptation. It's my third observation. The temptation is, Whatever talents we've been given, we get preoccupied with what we don't have instead of being diligent with what we do have. Anybody else feel this? It's like the comparison trap. You start looking around, like when I get around five talent people, just confession to you, I leave those interactions usually greatly discouraged. And I start cycling around in self-pity. I start coveting what they have like just how talented and skilled and just, I start, I'm like, they start thinking, well, who, what do I got to offer this equation? I get just really discouraged and get self-pity and start coveting. Just get in this cycle this way. And I put a quote in your notes here. I loved how this pastor put it. John Bloom, he's a pastor. Follow me here, it's in your notes. And if you haven't pulled out your app yet, you can fire up your message notes on your app. I am surrounded by people who have received from the master more talents than he's given me. They read faster, write faster, write better, have brighter intellects, have better memories, get more done, are more efficient administrators, more creative, more effective preachers, and on and on it goes. I am regularly tempted to covet the talents of others, as others have, and wonder why my master didn't give me more talents. I don't always recognize this as coveting, though. The way it typically manifests in me is discouragement and self-pity. Emotionally, I feel like a loser, and it's all fueled by pride. All that feeling bad about myself, it's all about me. It's a form of self-worship. Gone is love for my master. Gone is love for anyone else. Gone is the wonder over the grace that I've received anything from the master at all. Gone is the realization that even one talent is a huge amount and way more than I deserve to steward and only looks small compared to multiple talents that others have. Anybody else been there? We just kind of get swept off your feet in the comparison trap. Whether you're a one-talent person or not, I just take my one talent, I get around these four or five-talent people. I'm like, you could just go down this path and you lose sight of it. How about the overwhelming grace that you've been given anything? How about the fact that we're adopted into God's family and saved by his grace and covered with his blood and sealed with his spirit and guaranteed eternity, life with him forever? How about that? How about we get to share in this master's happiness, whether you're one talent, two talent, five talent. Well, if, if you get in the comparison cycle, you just lose sight of all that. 
And that's a one-talent temptation I struggle with. And so three or four years ago, I saw this creeping up in my life really intensely. It was shortly after you guys appointed me in the lead pastor role, and I felt this amazing amount of pressure to just fix a lot of stuff and solve a lot. And you guys didn't do it to me. I think I did it to myself. I think the enemy had a good hand in it. But the net result was I just got wound up and yoked myself to outcomes, and we gotta, we gotta grow, we gotta have more people come, we gotta deal with debt and budget and numbers and oh, it was just, it was just not, I was not in a good place internally through all this. It just got wound up around all that. And I found it manifesting itself in conversations in the community. I was having a conversation repeatedly in the community that was really, really irritating me. And then I was irritated that it was irritating me. Has anybody ever been there like that? You just, you're just irritated that you're irritated about this, and it doesn't help. And I'm a pastor, for goodness sake. I'm supposed to, like, get over these things. Well, the conversation was this. I was running people in the community at schools or just out in the stores or in the neighborhoods. The conversation went like this. I'd get to know each other, exchange names, and say, hey, um, we just moved to the area, or we just got into the school system. Hey, and we just found a great church, Traders Point. I ran into so many people who were just going to Traders Point. And, and t- of course, you want to give the pastor speech. Well, I'm so happy for you. But then below the surface of that, it was the one talent temptation thing I was struggling with. Like, wait a minute. At some point, when is somebody going to say they're happy to come be a part of Eagle Church? I didn't run into anybody, though I know that many of you are happy to be part of Eagle Church. I just wasn't running into any of you. <laughs> I was running into everyone in the community who was just so excited to be a part of Trader's Point. And in my selfish and myopic ways is, I, I, just, I just was going down the wrong path with us, getting discouraged. I was struggling with self-pity in this. And so I started talking to the Lord about it. I said, what's going on here? And Jesus, in his grace, he's so good about these things. You know, he's like, hey, well... You're all messed up on this situation, Simpson. It's not about Eagle's kingdom or Traitor's kingdom, but Jesus' kingdom. We're on the same team. I should be happy anyone's, right, joining any part of the body of Christ where the gospel's put at the center and scriptures are being taught and you know, get over it kind of thing, some of that, that dialogue. And then the other thing was just a real leading from God. Say, hey, Simpson, just start praying. Start praying for all the other Christian ministries around you. So when you're caught in traffic, you know, over the bridge over there on Saturday night, and, you know, there's like crazy town traffic. You know, I started praying. So that's what I started doing. I was a little hard at first, but I just started doing it. Started praying, for, praying God's blessing on Aaron Brockett and his whole staff over there and all the great ministry that's flown out of Trader's Point. As I drove by through the week, I just prayed for him. All through the week, David Bourne and New Hope just started praying for them and staff at Zionsville Fellowship or ZPC. I just kind of used when I was driving around the community, I just started praying. The way I tried to push back against the cycle of discouragement was pray and rejoice with whatever portion and cup God has given them and grateful for their partnership and the kingdom and serving together. And actually one of the things that's cool about safe families and all that, this is all the churches in this area working together. You know, that's gonna be a cool thing that we're all banding together. We're gonna do this thing uh, together. And so it was interesting, I don't know, four or five months into that, Aaron Brockett, the lead pastor at Traders Point, he contacted me. And uh, he called the church office and he said, uh, he said, hey, he was just calling around the churches in the area. He just said he felt like it was his role um, to just kind of initiate and break the ice and say, hey, let's get together and have lunch. And I thought it was kind of cool. And I said, yeah, let's do it. So we met at a restaurant and first time we'd ever met and exchanged 20 minutes or so of just kind of get to know yous. And then I just felt the leading from the Lord. I just felt like the Lord said, hey, you just need to you kind of lay out the journey you've been on over the last six months with Aaron. So he's just, I think, eating his cheeseburger there. I just said, hey, Aaron, I just want to let you know that uh, 
I've been having a conversation that's been really hard for me in the last six months around the community and has to do either sometimes people come to my office who used to be a part of Eagle and they say they're feeling called to go to Traders Point and I said, Aaron, I wish I'd handle that better but internally I was just getting tired of maybe sending people to Traders Point. I'd run into people in the community who are going to Traders Point. I said, Traders Point just growing crazy and adding services and all that. I said, Aaron, I just, I don't think I was handling that very well on the inside. I was kind of getting bitter and resentful and I just wanna confess that to you and let you know um, that I've just been purposefully and intentionally praying for God's blessing and favor and outpouring on your ministry and the work of your hands over the last few months. It was just one of those moments in the lunch like, wow, didn't think that's what we were gonna talk about. It was really cool, you know, because it just kind of, it took a relationship, I think, to a, just another place and we had a lot of open and transparent dialogue about it and exchanged text. We changed the cell numbers. So now we just text each other, you know, as we're all trying to move the ball down the field together in this community and so we just kind of been encouraging each other in that and I've continued to try to work the muscles of, hey, you know what? Whatever God's portion and cup is, for all the, the churches in this area. I just wanna be, I wanna be diligent and faithful with whatever he's given us. I don't wanna be so preoccupied with whatever, whether it's a five-talent business. Some of you can extrapolate that also with, with business circle, right? You've got fellow businesses around you and you can get so wound up about the business down the street that's flourishing and multiplying and you're scraping it to fill the bills at the end of the month. And how, how, what's going on in your heart there? Are you being grateful with whatever you've been given here, faithful to steward what you've been given here? Or it could be a five-talent team, could be a five-talent ministry, a five-talent church, and you can get caught in this comparison trap and lose sight of being faithful and diligent with whatever portion and cup God has given you. So those are the three observations. God distributes talents as he wants. He's in charge of that. If you got an issue with talent distribution for you, you're like, God, I feel like I was on the low end of the talent distribution thing or whatever, that's an issue between you and the Lord because he's the one who decides who gets what, how it works. Whether you're one talent, five talent, or anything in between, he's expect, his expectation of us is to be faithful, to be good stewards over whatever he's given us. Our skills, our abilities, our bodies, our experiences, our education, our opportunities, spiritual gifts, are you faithful and diligent in stewarding that the way he wants to steward? And be careful. Third observation is careful in the story. Because did you notice in the story, the guy with one talent, he throws out an accusation to the master that there's no grounds in the story for. Like he says about the master, I knew you were a hard man. Where did that come from? There's nothing in the story that indicates the landowner's a hard man, but where does that come from? Have you noticed this in your heart? I'll just confess. When I go down the road of the one talent temptation, when I go down the road of coveting what I don't have and losing sight of what I do have, you know where this goes? An erosion of trust on the master's character. He starts thinking, hey, you know what? I'll only be given one. That guy's given five. I'll be given one. And where does he go? He goes to the character of the master. And that's usually a little dashboard light, by the way. If you know you're going down that road, a little dashboard light starts throwing on. Say, hey, you begin to question the character of God, his goodness, that he's always got your best in mind, regardless of what it is. Because there's no grounds for that accusation in the story. And then he's, he's scared, so he buries it in the dirt out of fear. What's up with that? The other two guys didn't seem to struggle with that. No hesitation at all. I think that's the cycle, right? Discouragement, self-pity, coveting begins to erode and undermine the character of the master originally. So big caution there. So core question, we'll wrap up with this. The question is rooted in his closing statement. 
that at the very, very end, he says, every one who's been given more, he will have an abundance. And whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. And verse 19 says, after a long time, the master returned and settled accounts with them. And I think a core question Jesus would want us to reflect on is, you know, it's really clear every single one of us is gonna go one-on-one, face-to-face, heart-to-heart with the master someday. Some of us sooner than we think. We're only guaranteed today. Every day is a gift. We got no idea what tomorrow holds, let alone what this week holds. We need a living illustration of that in 2016. You got, we got no idea what holds. Here, here's what we do know. We're guaranteed this moment that we have right now, breath of life in our lungs, Christ could come back today. He could tarry for another thousand plus year. Who knows? But when the day comes, when you take your last breath here and you take your first breath in glory, here's a conversation we're all gonna have. We're all gonna have a conversation about talents and stewardship and faithfulness. And how will that conversation go? Gang, how would it go today? If today was the day you stand before your master And he says, hey, I want to have a dialogue about what I entrusted to you. The whole spectrum of it. Talent, skills, abilities, resources, time, opportunities. What I've entrusted with you, would you be of the one, would you be able to say, oh, man, I just, I went the Apostle Paul's route, 2 Timothy 4, and my life was just wrung out like a drink offering for you. I I gave what you gave me. I just gave it all, a drink offering. I poured it out. Every last ounce of life, I had it wrung out for you. I just blimped across the finish line because I spent it all for you. And you'll hear on the other side of that, well done, good and faithful servant. Come and share in your master's happiness. Would that be the dialogue that you're having? Are you and I spending our one and only life stewarding what he's given us? For the stuff that matters 100 years from now? Or would it be a more sobering part of the dialogue where we'd have to confess we're digging in the dirt? We gotta go, we're burying a bunch of stuff in the dirt under whatever, fear, insecurity, distrusting character, whatever it is, coveting something you don't, whatever, would it be more that or somewhere in between? Because gang, Every single one of us is coming to that conversation. And when we get there, how's that dialogue gonna go? My prayer is that we'd be the kind of body and the kind of people, and so many of you are that, but that would just kind of ripple out around our whole community. It says, man, when I get around the people of Jesus in this community, it's just inspiring and challenging and the aroma that flows out, aroma of life. They're just stewarding one talent, two talent, five talent for his glory to get stuff done that matters hundreds and hundreds of years from now. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your stories. Thank you for sobering reminders. Thank you for shaking us on the inside with stories like this and remind us there's a lot more at stake in this than we realize. And so would you just... uh, Maybe today's a day where we just need to confess some things. Maybe we've been distracted. Maybe we've been just overworked, overscheduled, overloaded, over whatever, and distracted on a whole bunch of stuff that's really just the here and now stuff. And uh, we need a reorientation. We need your help to realign the energies of our life to things that are gonna matter hundreds of years from now. Uh, Would you help us? We just confess our need for help. We invite you into that space. 
I thank you for so many in this body who faithfully steward every talent they've been given and who wring the energies of their life out and spend it for the things of Christ. Thank you, thank you, Lord, that we get to be a part of this body together. Thank you for all the wonderful bodies of Christ meeting and worshiping all around this community today at New Hope and Traders and ZPC and College Park. And thank you for their staffs. Thank you for their leaders. Thank you for the faithful servants. Thank you for all the kingdom work that's getting done. Help us to band together and be about kingdom church stuff and working together and being a light in this world. And Lord, we'll be careful to give you all the glory, all glory, honor, power, and dominion is yours. Yours is the kingdom, oh God. In the midst of everything that changes, thank you that we stand secure on you in Jesus' name, amen. We're gonna wrap up with